0: Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month, it's Steve Anderson, and I am delighted to introduce our Mentor of the Month guest, Katie Paulson. And uh, Katie, uh, in addition to being a registered dental hygienist, also has a Master's in Professional Communication, which Katie, I have to admit, is more than what I have. So I am fascinated for our conversation today. (laughs) Uh, she has, um, has also been a clinical adjunct faculty member at Weber State University's Dental Hygiene Department. is also a past president of the Utah Dental Hygienist Association. Congratulations. Uh, she is a practicing hygienist, uh, also a, practicing marketing, a a practice marketing expert for the practice she works with uh, with Dr. Jonathan Campbell, also in Salt Lake City. So here's the topic of conversation today, and this is what really piqued my interest. Not only, uh, Katie, are you doing this every day, uh, but you have done some unusual research that will be the topic of our, our conversation today. And the, the research that you have done is entitled Dentist, Dental Hygienist, conflict through the lens of communication accommodation theory now there's a lot of big words in there you're going to have to explain to me Uh, but we're going to talk about two things i understand today one is how the dentist hygienist uh, communication and challenges with communication how that impacts the culture in the practice and number two how it impacts patient care. So with that, welcome, and thanks for being our mentor thank, of the month.
1: Thank, thank you for letting me talk about communication. It's, it's you, my favorite topic.
0: Perfect. All right. So give <laughs> a little background on the research, um, how you got into this, what what led to it for starters?
1: Yeah. So I'm a daughter of a dentist, and I grew up in that in that atmosphere, and my brother was a, as a dentist. He started with our practice 20 years ago, And when I started going to dental hygiene school and I went to like uh, my first national meeting, hygiene meeting, I started hearing all of this talk about conflict with dentists. And I was thinking, people don't like their dentist? This is so (laughs) weird to me because I love my dentist. They're my family, right? Right. And so I was so so confused and perplexed by that concept. And then I became the president of uh, the Utah Dental Hygiene Association and I just thought more and more that on a micro level in practices, there was this conflict that was happening on a macro level as well with the associations. And it kind of really troubled me. So when I was in school, I, was, um, I had this class and we were talking about workplace communication conflict. And I was like, that, that is what we're, I'm gonna study. Because it's apparent, um, not necessarily in my practice, but with a lot of people that I've talked to. And so that's kind of the brainchild for the start of my, my re- research that I did.
0: Cool. Definition of terms. Tell us about
1: yeah. communication
0: so, uh, accommodation theory. Yeah. So
1: as you can imagine, there's not a lot of research and communication in dentistry. <laughs> so right. I had to use um, a lot of research from dent from uh, doctors and nurses and-, and just the healthcare setting. And so a lot of the research that already exists has this theory of communication accommodation theory, which is essentially we as humans accommodate or change our communication by the way that we talk, by who we're talking to. So um, with like okay. leader member exchange, we, the, there's a leaders that have followers in their in-group and then there are followers in their out-group and you change the way you speak to someone based off of if they're in your in-group or their out-group. If that makes I mean sense. so
0: there might be a difference in how I communicate with my children versus Yes, a
1: family, family is a great example of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Yes. You as the leader of your family communicate differently than with people in your out group. Yeah.
0: Got it. Okay. That easy. So very sophisticated term for I think we all get it. We change the way we communicate based on on the yes. audience, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So here was research question number one, as I understand it, is how do dentists, dental hygienists describe the nature of communication conflict in their practices? So tell us about that. What did you yeah. find? in your Research.
1: So my goal with this co- this question was to really just understand if maybe it was just me that thought there was conflict. Okay. Do people f- think that there's conflict, and then also. what what do they do about it? What does it look like in their practice and and how do they fix it? And and four themes just emerged from the research was essentially is everyone that I interviewed said there was conflict, which is obvious. I mean, there's conflict in every human relationship that you have. Right. So uh, And then expectations um, were the main theme that everybody kind of came up with that was the reason for the conflict that they had. Um, specifically, there was this one particular dentist who was like, 99% of the conflict I have in my office is because of unmet expectations, and then he followed it up with, uh, I probably don't give my expectations that I want, that I want. But that's the reason for the conflict. Got and it. the other and the other was um, the other themes that that emerged were conflict avoidance, which is just kind of that's how they dealt with it. And I think the reason being is there was a couple of scenarios where they gave me there's always high intensity when they're trying to have conflict. Somebody's always crying, you know, they come to someone to try to combat behavior or whatever, and then it turns into crying and and nobody wants to make somebody cry. I mean, nobody, I don't think loves conflict in the process, but so they kind of punt that to whoever in the practice will deal with that. Right. So that they can do dentistry. All right. Um, And on the other, the other hand, the hygienist really felt like, um, and the expectation problem was a problem as well, but in this in the sense that they know that they're, the dentist is mad that the expectations aren't being met, but they don't know what expectations they're supposed to be meeting. So there was this. There's definitely a communication gap that is happening between expectations there, um, and it, just in a personal experience with um, just my own my own job as a hygienist in the state of Utah, we can't diagnose periodontal disease, but we can treat it. So we, you know, we're treating periodontal disease and we talk to the patient about what they have and the problem. And then the dentist comes in and says, no, or vice versa. You don't treat perio when they come in and they say they want you to do that. Right. And so this role um, ambiguity, this role overlap is kind of, I think, based off of the research with like doctors and nurses and it happens with dentists and hygienists. It's part of the reason for the conflict. So that was really inter- that was a really interesting theme that emerged.
0: All right, can we talk about expectations for a minute? Yes,
1: yes, yeah.
0: All right, cuz this is this is big yeah. not surprising. Yeah. What is interesting about it though is how prevalent you found it to be. Yes. So it sounds exactly. like it was just about everybody
1: on everybody both sides.
0: Talks, on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about expectations for just a moment in terms of what are the different areas of unmet expectations for the doctor?
1: Yeah, so as far as the the depth to the expectations that were unmet, that we didn't get too far into them, and um, they expressed um, mainly with, if they were to present an idea, you know, to take for instance, um, having you guys, TOPS come in and, and do takeover or to implementing a new software program, right? And everyone says that they're on board and then it fizzles, it fizzles out. Right. Um, or, or just, yeah, that was, that was the main theme that was, that was brought up, um, just within the research. So,
0: okay. So let's, let's dig into that just a little bit. So let's say it is a, a new hygiene protocol.
1: Yeah.
0: A new, anything new you're implementing in the office. So the assumption on the dentist part is that everybody's going to grasp it. Yeah promote it, move with it, and implement mm-hmm. it. Whereas the team member, or the hygienist might perceive that they have some say in the decision or whether they yes. like it, or don't like it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then uh, dentist responsibility, I'm going to, I'm going to get granular here. Yes, I listening. think
1: a lot of the time you have to, it's, it's generalization as well with this, but Right. Yeah. So,
0: so the dentist's responsibility here is if there is an expectation of implementation of something new, then that expectation needs to be clearly delineated on what that looks like. Right. Meaning, exactly. Here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it. Here's the timeline. And here's what I expect from everybody as we move through
1: that. Yes. And, and not while the patient's in the chair.
0: <laughs> conversations, <laughs> okay, so it's conversations
1: way, need to way, happen way before yeah okay.
0: so yeah. would would you say in this area in terms of expectations that it would based on what you found it would be very difficult for a dentist to over communicate expectations
1: no no I, I, you cannot over no you can over communicate them and it, it would be really interesting to see what the research would look like if we were to do scenarios where we would teach someone how to, in your sense, teach someone how to communicate these expectations. And then what that would do to the conflict in the practice or conflict resolution. Cause it's a lot easier to go back to someone once you've already had the expectation set, right. And say, remember how we talked about that. And now the, the, now it's open for everyone to interpret. Right. And there's no walls flying up and you didn't tell me this, you know what I mean? So I think it's great
0: um one of the interesting things katie in this that we find often especially as it has to do with expectations of of new things changes or whatever is if you're not careful a dentist will go to the team and say i'm thinking about doing whatever Mm -hmm. what do you all think yes and that gets interpreted by a hygienist or other team members as they get a vote and it's a democracy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: versus if it were clearly communicated, would be, I am looking to make a decision in this area. I'd like everybody's input, and yes. once I process all that, I'm going to come mm-hmm. back with the decision. Right. Yeah, and look forward to everybody jumping on board. You know, depending on you know, no matter yeah. which direction we decide to yeah. go, it's all in how it's communicated.
1: Yeah, and and the other flip side to that is when I think a lot of times in the practices they, they don't give they don't give the input, so they're used to just, the staff's not used to giving the input or they don't think it's valued, right? And so that could be the reason why the expectation is not being met. Sure, we're gonna implement this thing. I think there's a problem with it. We'll just pretend like we're gonna do it and then it'll fizzle out, you know? Because maybe there's something that the staff can see that maybe the dentist can't of why it wouldn't work, right? But when you're not asking input, it's hard to, it, they are not going to give it forthcoming so
0: okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna line out here over communicate expectations yes and then on the flip side of that is for the dentists we'll get to the hygienist in just a minute for the dentist is when you get input use reflective listening so that your team knows they have been heard
1: yes that, that is that is huge
0: now let's take it over to the hygienist side. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Turnabouts, fair play. Yep. yep. So there is an expectation. Let's talk about this role overlap in yep. diagnosis. So, mm-hmm. when the conversation that a hygienist has had gets uh, contradicted by a dentist, <laughs> right? That, that can happen. Yep, it does. Then there is an opportunity to get coordinated and come up with a better communication system so that there's consistency. Right? Yes. Okay. And there's, you've alluded to this, there's a lot of things that we teach at Total Patient Service in this area so that patient care is not impacted. But short of that, you're a hygienist. Let's talk about what a hygienist can do in a non-threatening professional way to communicate to the dentist when the patient's not around of what the hygienist expectations are in terms of in treatment room communication when a patient is present yeah
1: i view my job as a hygienist as the resident educator in the practice
0: Ooh, that's so good
1: that is that is what i do uh, okay. i love i love the preventative side of dentistry i because i have so many dentists in my family i often get asked the question why don't you go to dental school and i i say i'm the smart one in the family but really <laughs> it's because i love i love i love educating people and that is a large part of what I do every day. And and it's hard to educate if if I am not on the same um, understanding as the dentist. And so uh, my brother who I work for now, we've taken the opportunity to say, okay, when we get into this scenario, what does it look like? What would you recommend? And then we kind of go from there. Uh, and so I, not that I'm diagnosing, I use very broad language, but I, Kind of prep the patient and talk to them about what it looks like and take for instance a crown you know i talk to them this looks like something dr campbell would place a crown on and i talk a show a video on a crown and i do all this so i just tee it up so when he walks in the door i can introduce the patient we talked about a crown they're ready to move forward what do you think and then all he has to say is yes and then that's it and right. then the patient and then and that's all and it's the same thing with period with um periodontal disease you know there's there's a lot of gray area in diagnosing and treating Barry Donsley. It's so, it's so, it's so hard to know everybody. I, I, in teaching dental hygiene, it's really hard to say, Oh, well, and this is what the insurance says. It's so hard. And, and so, um, it's, I think it's imperative that everybody is on the same page. You know, when I see a four millimeter pocket with calculus in it and bleeding, I know what to do. And I know that when the doctor comes in, he's going to back me up on this. You know, and but those conversations can't ha- happen over the patient's mouth. You know, they have to happen way before. Um, so,
0: two two things, Katie, that I heard was one: clinically, the two of you are on the same page. I mean, philosophy yeah. of care is clearly understood on yeah. your side and the doctor's side. You're in lockstep there. Number two is you over communicate in the treatment room. So yes, it
1: mm-hmm. is never a secret. Hand-off is huge. It's
0: never a secret to Dr. Campbell what you have talked about with the patient. You re-communicate that so he's never blindsided by something that you've talked about that he's not.
1: Yeah. And there's the occasional, yeah, patient that, oh, actually I have this tooth hurts. And sometimes they don't want to tell me, but, (laughs) but yeah.
0: But again, so, I mean, those are common sense things. Do not always happen
1: no i there's one thing i've learned communication is not automatic it's it's learned it's not something that you're born with you it's vital to learn how to do it um and so yeah it's definitely learned
0: okay let's talk about before we move on i want to talk about the avoidance behaviors Mm -hmm. in high intensity situations where there is emotion
1: yeah So a lot of, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like I said, I think a lot of, I don't think anybody likes to be in a scenario where there is high emotion and there's like emotionally charged feelings, especially with people that you work with. But uh, the dentists that were interviewed stated that this was the reason, this is how they kind of dealt with conflict was just avoiding it because it was, they were highly charged areas Right, You know, they're coming in and they're making people kind of sad or, or mad, right? And then they cry and, and then they avoid that.
0: <laughs> right. And yeah. so then as a result of that, it gets worse.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: All right. So as the researcher and as a hygienist, what is your recommendation?
1: So in my research, I suggested continue in, in continued research to do um, conflict resolution. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the doctors that I interviewed said, you know what, so if somebody could just come mediate for, for me at the time.
0: That's an I would just that's hire, avoidance behavior, Katie. I, that's would just, avoidance. I would just
1: hire a mediator. Um, <laughs> and and I think that it's it's conflict resolution, if you could teach that to staff before the conflict happens.
0: And to the dentist.
1: Yes, to all. Yes, everyone. Team team conflict resolution Mm. ahead of time before the conflict happens, uh, and know what to do would be helpful. The other thing that was brought up was uh, a dentist did some a quarterly evaluation. He didn't follow through with it very much, but I've seen it happen, okay, and and work really well. um, Is is to have that quarterly evaluation done so that you catch the small things when Mm. they're happening, you know, as opposed to having them build and build and build until you know eventually everything that they do bothers you (laughs) You right
0: so there's some your recommendation here there's some skill building here in terms of verbal skills on how to do conflict resolution how to give feedback that is not emotionally charged there's in other words there are learned skills here in order to manage conflict or potential conflict yeah does not come naturally.
1: No, and it's not not easy. It's a lot easier to say it than do it, right? I mean, it's changing people's personalities and emotions and it takes time. But as a leader of a practice, I think it's important.
0: Okay, we're gonna move on to research question number two, which I found this fascinating. This is really the next step of this. So research question number two is how do dentists and dental hygienists use communication accommodation tactics to respond to conflicts at work all right so this goes to your communication accommodation theory so how how, what's really going on so you talk to us about the in group and the out group I found this fascinating so tell us what it is yeah
1: so again the in-group was people that you speak with, you communicate really well with, and then an out-group would be somebody that maybe you don't communicate greatly okay. with. All right. And the research that I had studied prior to my research, so with nurses and doctors, and then also with a uh, nurse anesthetists and anesthesiologists, they, were, they found that they were, the other person was in the out-group. So the doctor was, had the nurse in the out-group, and the nurse had the doctor in the out-group. So, I thought when I did my research that that's the way it would be, probably with dentists and dental hygienists, that they would kind of maybe be in the in group, maybe with the office manager, both of them, and then the other one would be in the out group if there was conflict in the practice. Or okay. I was hoping that I would find, oh, no, we don't have an out group. Everyone's in the in group, right? Which okay. would be great. But uh, I found that the people that I interviewed said that the dentist, uh, the hygienist felt like the dentists were in the out group and the dentists found that they were in the outgroup. So the dentists outgrouped themselves, which was really fascinating to me. I wasn't expecting uh, I was wasn't expecting them to be on their own. And so Their
0: own admission.
1: Yes. So yeah. they
0: they're saying I'm on the, I'm on the outside of
1: my practice yes. with
0: every team member? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so that's a self-perception
1: Right. And I, and obviously defined the definition of in and out group. I think some of them have the, some of them that I interviewed at some point had an in-group maybe with an office manager or the lead assistant or something, but as conflict happens, you know, trustworthiness, they can mention like, you know, they lost trust in them or something. And then now they just kind of feel like they're out on their own and they're out And, and gosh, I, I was, I was shocked by this, but also like, I look at dental, like dentaltown or all of those, they just, they are together. They don't have a lot of people to talk to, you know, and so they talk to, to one another, which I get, but they're kind of leaving their staff out, um, out of the mix. So I found that really interesting.
0: Okay. So if you, if someone self-identifies as being out, being out in the out group, Mm -hmm what are the communication what what kind of communication then connects with that i assume right. they un- under communicate
1: yes yeah they they're not, not
0: they don't express expectations what
1: else um they they change they they have guarded language they're they change their language so that they um like the dentist that i that i that i studied said that they kind of chose to be in the art group they established boundaries They had their role and and they changed kind of their language, just like as you would with somebody um, not in group. And I think what happens now when you do that is it makes it so that um, when people do need to come to you as the leader, when they have a problem, um, they don't know how to talk to you because you're in the out group, not the in group. And so there's this natural wall that happens just from not being in the same communication group Okay, so
0: what's the prescription here? Obviously boundaries are appropriate. Every relationship has boundaries. Yeah. Um having you know, communicating with the right language, all of those things. I think we could argue that all of those things are important. It's mm-hmm. now what's appropriate for the relationship. So yeah. how do I, if I'm a dentist, how do I perceive myself as more in the in group mm-hmm. and still have the appropriate boundaries yeah. so we can communicate better?
1: I I understand the the uh, the hardship of owning a practice is very very it's difficult I've seen it in my own life you grew watching up with my it. dad do it
0: <laughs> you remember, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs>
1: I listened to him come home and be frustrated with staff members right, right. um and so I uh, and there's a lot of a lot of it that this rest of the staff they just don't get it they don't understand. And, and so I understand the desire t- and sometimes to just, all I want to do is dentistry. That's what I went to school for. And right. so everything that's not dentistry, I'm going to punt to my office manager or treatment coordinator or, or whoever else. But really when it comes down to the leadership responsibility of um, helping, helping your team and the relationships with your coworkers, it's not something that you can pawn off to the office manager. It really has to come down to you. The manager needs to manage, um, not lead. Not
0: lead. You, can't, they, you can't hire a moderator for every situation.
1: Right. A leader, leader leading, and, leading and managing are not the same thing. Sometimes they get confused as that they are, but they're not. And um, I think a lot of the stuff that they hand over to a manager is, is, is perfect. But um, but trying to get rid of the commun- the relationship aspect with your employees, um, they're your employees, so you need to have the relationship with them and try to include them in, in, your, in your group, in your, in your way of communication. Um, it's dentistry is tricky because you are the provider and the business owner Correct. as opposed to all of other healthcare mm. professions. And so, there, there is a natural space, a natural disconnect that happens. And it's going to take a lot of foreth- forethought and a lot of thinking to try to bridge that disconnect. I think some dentists do it. Fantastic. I mean, some offices are just phenomenal, but.
0: Okay. If I were <clears throat> based on your, your research here, if I were a dentist and I said to you, Katie, I get the research and I probably am just like everybody else you research. I'm a horrible communicator, um, I, I don't like dealing with emotion, I don't like conflict, I don't like any of this stuff. Um, boil it down to me, what would you recommend that I do? Simple, keep it simple. What would you recommend I do as a first step? I can't get away from this, because mm-hmm. that's the, the biggest thing that comes out of your research is avoidance. Right. The yeah. more you avoid it, the worse it gets. Okay, so what's my first step?
1: Uh, I think uh, morning team huddles.
0: Imagine that.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, staff meetings regularly, team building uh, opportunities outside of the office. As much as sometimes that doesn't sound very much fun, it really is important to gather your gather your group when you're not in the chaos of work. And then I think quarterly interviews are really important. One-on-one evaluate. Have the have the staff set goals so that they know uh, together. You you and the staff set goals together, and then when you evaluate that, or they don't follow through on their expectation, they know they set the goal, and then the ex then the it's not so high stress. It's not so high emotion, right? Because you guys set the goal together. Right. Excellent.
0: Okay, excellent recommendations. Let me add. Um, let me let me add two things to that one. Uh, we have a, a mentor in the Crown Council from years ago. His name Larry Wilson and Larry Wilson is one of the most prolific corporate trainers in American history and one of his philosophies that we have talked about for years that that highlights what you've just talked about here, is he says that every team, every great team needs a camping experience every 90 days.
1: Mm, yes. That doesn't
0: mean they need to go camping, it mm-hmm. means they need a camping yeah. experience, in other words, a bonding experience where they have the opportunity to do something outside the confines of patient care or regular yes. business, which is exactly what you
1: uh-huh.
0: said. Um, quarterly okay. one-on-ones, regular team meetings, we recommend weekly morning opportunity meetings, of course. And then one of the biggest takeaways, I think that that your research has highlighted that everybody can learn from is this whole idea of over communicating and being crystal clear about expectations. Yeah. That yeah. you can't, and that's not, expectations aren't a demand. <clears throat> they are yeah. clearly communicating of when we're in this situation, this is, you know, this is optimal. This is what I like to have happen for the benefit of the patient, the team, the right. whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I shared with you when we were together at the recent um, Dental Digital Marketing Conference is the whole idea uh, that we have promoted in the Crown Council for years of a culture guide, which is written, ex- written behavioral expectations yes. of the entire team. So that's a form of communicating what your expectations are.
1: Mm-hmm. I and love it. Yeah. Things That's
0: as simple as, you know, when you're early, you're on time that, you know, you don't, you don't show up yeah. at eight five when we're yeah. having eight o'clock meeting, simple things like that. So being crystal clear about that expectations. So, I, you know, and I can hear the voices of some that say, well, gee, you know, doesn't that get, won't I be accused of, of micromanaging?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As a hygienist, what would you say to that? If,
1: to, if, to feel if, micromanaged?
0: In, in any of your research, did you ever hear a no. hygienist or a team member say it's too much? You know, he, no. he expectations of the dentist are way too much.
1: No, it was the, the main thing was I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing because I go in and do one thing and then he says another or she says another, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, I've never, I've never, I never once heard too many. Too much expectations was a bad thing, yeah. And I don't think I don't think uh, it's being micromanaged. I think if everyone knows the playing, if everybody knows the rules, then they're free to play, you know. So it, it, it makes it it makes it a conflict free zone, right?
0: Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest and you tell me if this is appropriate. Um, <laughs> I am going to suggest a a an action when it comes to avoidance yeah go for it an action here is transparency and vulnerability mm-hmm. which is you say uh when you have that when a dentist feels that twinge of being uncomfortable and not wanting to address something is to admit it yes and say i am feeling very uncomfortable uh, about having to address something that's on my mind because I'm feeling some tension. I don't want to feel the tension. And I realize it's a potential conflict. So I don't want to talk about this and I know we need to talk about
1: it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. I, vulnerability is huge. Yep. That's a, and I love that link, the verbiage and language you used.
0: Good. Um, Your research is great. You're on to something what appealed to me about this so much is we have for decades talked about what we call approval addiction. Mm -hmm. And you have a much more sophisticated title for it. (laughs) Which is, is uh, communication accommodation theory. Yeah, Um, basically, we all want to be liked yeah and you know it starts in the everyday teamwork and everyday communication that we have with each other as we work together nobody yeah. likes conflict and mm-hmm. uh, you've identified it very clearly you have reinforced the fact that it's alive and well
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and not only with um, in the team but also it it impacts patient care as you oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, not, I noticed definitely between like nurses and doctors in the research that that research has expanded fully to patient care and what this communication accommodation theory does in patient care. It, 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 it's huge. You know, the patients can tell when there's conflict between, between you. Not, not a secret. What? (laughs) It's
0: not a secret.
1: No, it's not a secret.
0: No. Patients can sense it. Yep. All right. So if, uh, if there are those that would love to read the entire research findings, is that
1: possible? It's not published, but if you are that, if you love it that much, <laughs> email me and I will, I would love to email it back to you.
0: Perfect. All right. Give everybody your email address.
1: Yep. Uh-huh. Um, it's called, it's the social provider at gmail.com. Yep.
0: The social provider at gmail.com. Very good. And you can uh, request, how long is it by the way? How many pages?
1: Oh, it's, 19 it's a micro thesis yeah oh, yeah
0: nice but an easy easy read yeah. with
1: if somebody wants to take it and continue it on please email me i'd love <laughs> i love next, that
0: yeah next body research yeah. part of what came out of this is what what would be the next yes research that that would be done in yeah. each area yeah
1: yeah i would i would I would love to read more i hope i i hope somebody else takes it on
0: <laughs> you got well you you've uh you have reinforced some things that i think if it's news to anybody listening, I think uh, we've all secretly suspected yes. the case. <laughs> and you have just proven that it is widespread uh, in just about every dental practice. So thanks for raising hey. awareness and uh, appreciate the, the recommendations here. If there's, a, if there's a takeaway from Katie's research is you can't over communicate and communicating expectations is the name of the game. Everybody's frustrated with unmet expectations, so you gotta get them out there and repeat them over and over again. So, um, Katie, we appreciate you being the resident educator, not only in your practice, (laughs) but as a Crown Council Mentor of the Month with us, and thank you for sharing your research.
1: Thank you for having me, appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much.